Have you ever had somebody hurt you? And not just once, but over and over and over. And you feel like that because maybe you grew up in church or you know how to do this, this, this good Christian thing that you're supposed to forgive. And so you forgive and then they hurt you again. Then you forgive and they hurt you again. You forgive and they hurt you again. And then you find yourself eventually asking this question. When is enough enough? When do I get to the point where I can just kind of stop forgiving because apparently the forgiveness isn't doing anything because they continue to hurt me over and over and over? Anybody ever ask that question? When's enough enough? Anybody? Anybody besides me? All right, good, just me and a couple more. All right, awesome. So the good news is is that if you have ever asked the question, man, when is enough enough? When do I get to write them off and just say, that's it, no more, we're done? Like, when do I get to do that? If you've ever asked that question, you're in some pretty good company. Because one of Jesus' closest friends while he walked the earth, a man by the name of Peter, asked that exact same question. So here's what was going on. Jesus is uh, he's teaching, right? He's kind of got this this teacher thing going on, and he's telling people how we deal with people that we have a disagreement with. And he's talking about how you know, when you have a disagreement with somebody, you're supposed to go to them, and then you, you, you tell them, hey, we've got a disagreement. If they agree with you, then it's kind of over and you move on. If they don't agree with you, then you go and you get a couple friends. And if that doesn't work, then you go and you get the church. And if that doesn't work, then he's kind of giving all these instructions of how we deal with people that we have disagreements with. And Peter, who's listening to this teaching that Jesus is giving, has a, a specific person and, and situation in mind. And so Peter asks Jesus the question that, that many of us have probably asked from time to time, when is enough enough? It sounds like this. Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, and verse number 21 says, then Peter came up and said to him, that him being Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, here's what you got to know about Peter. Peter was trying to impress Jesus. Right? So here's what Peter's thinking. I'm a nice guy. I'll stretch. I know that I'm talking to God in the flesh, and so I want to make sure that I give him a really spiritual answer. So, hey, Jesus, how about this? How about I forgive my brother up to seven times? He's pretty proud of his answer. I just get this picture in my mind of Peter's pretty proud of his answer. Like, hey, Jesus, I'm willing to go to seven. Like, doesn't have like. That's pretty good, right? Like seven. Like, I, like at that point, that's, that's a whole lot of forgiving, right? But, but after seven, though, like can we just call enough enough? You see, Peter, much like most of us, believes that when we forgive someone that has wronged us in some way, that that is us doing them a favor, 
That that's us doing something good for, for their benefit. So if we want to be a nice person, if we want to be a, a good person and do something nice for somebody else, then something nice that I can do for that other person is that I can forgive them. And so we ask Jesus this question, like, when is enough enough? Because in some sense, in some sense, something has been taken from us when we've been hurt or when, we, or when we've been wronged. There, there's, been a, there's been a debt created. There was something that they took from me that they owe me in return, which is why we often say things like this when someone has hurt us in some way. You owe me an apology, right? We, we communicate this idea of being wrong in terms of debt. We are owed something. We, we've been victimized by someone else. And so here's what we do. We wait. We wait for them to, to make amends with us. And, and we tend to hold on to our forgiveness until they give us what they owe us. We hold on to it until the person comes to repay the debt. Could be an apology. It could be some recognition. It could be that they took credit for something that was ours to take credit for. It could have been something insensitive that they said or felt. And we're waiting for them to, to make an expression of this renewed sense of sensitivity that they have over our condition. After all, we're the victim. We've been victimized by somebody else. And so here's what we do. We wait. And every time the events of that moment creep into our thoughts... We, we relive it, we're refreshed with anger or resentment, and, and then we, we do something else. Maybe, maybe you don't do this, but I do this. Um, I have imaginary conversations with the person that hurt me. Anybody else ever do this? Right? I have imaginary conversations with them, and I, I plan for it about how it's going to go, and I can't wait. Like I have this imaginary conversation where I get to put them in their place and tell them everything that they did that was wrong and in every way that I got hurt and why they're wrong, and I'm right, and they should apologize, and it's going to go awesome. Like They're going to be so humble. And, oh, and, and not only are they going to be so humble, but there's other people are always there. Anybody other than me? Like anytime this imaginary conversation happens in my head, I, there's always an audience, and Everybody in the audience agrees with me. And they're like, yeah, bro, get him. <laughs> Just me? All right, good. So uh, confessions of a pastor this morning, right? Like that's how it goes for me. That, that, that I, I relive the moment and I have these imaginary conversations with the people that hurt me. And other people, they like to share their story. Not with the person that hurt them, but they like to share. You ever been to a prayer meeting where somebody tells you that they have this prayer request and all it is is an opportunity to get you on their side? I'm not picking on you for making, Quentin just told you that you should make prayer requests and you should. But, but, but if you ever go to one of these public meetings, then what often will happen, like, hey, will y'all pray for me? Because I got this guy or, or, or my boss or my parent or my spouse or whoever it is that's not there to defend themselves. And we begin to tell, they begin to tell their story. And as they tell their story, you feel yourself being drawn into their story and on their side. And you just wish that you could get to that person that hurt them, to that boss or to that husband or to that parent that has offended them in some way. Like, if, if I, like let's go get them. And you're on their side. And sometimes, 
someone will come along and they'll tell you that, man, you shouldn't feel that way. You're a Christian. You shouldn't feel all that anger that you feel. And so for a lot of us, we've believed that. And so we've, what we've tried to do is we've just tried to stuff that emotion down. Like if I'm a Christian, then I shouldn't feel anger. So I'm just going to stuff that. I'm going to hold on to it, but I'm going to stuff it way down inside of me. And then all that does is, is eventually that, that makes you just feel depressed, right? Because you got all this stuff that you're holding on to and it's weighing you down and it's burdensome. And it's just, it's just stuffed away because you're trying not to feel anger, but you can't help it. After all, I was the one that was a victim. Why should I forgive them? Why should I do something nice for them when they have treated me so unfairly or unjustly? When is enough enough? So we wait and we have the imaginary conversations and we, we wait for them to come begging to plead with us for our forgiveness. And that's the question that Peter was asking Jesus. And here, here's how Jesus replied to him, verse 22 it almost seems like Jesus changes the subject. I love this. Watch this. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And Peter's probably thinking, man, that's a lot. Like, I mean, 77. Whew. Like, I thought seven was a lot. I thought you'd be proud of my answer of seven, but 77? But all right, like, I guess. And that's not even the point Jesus is making. So in order to get a point, the point across that Jesus wants to make, he tells a story, a parable. And this is what he says. Verse 23. Therefore... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in our modern context, this is, this is like millions of dollars. This is an insurmountable amount of debt owed to the king. Millions of dollars. And since he could not pay... His master ordered him to be sold, and not just him, but with his wife and children and all that he had so that payment could be made. So here's, here's kind of the like old world culture, right, something we don't really get. But all right, the, the king's just going to cut his losses. There's no way this guy is ever going to be able to repay me. He owes me millions of dollars. He couldn't repay that in a lifetime. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have him sold, and not just him, but his wife and his kids and everything that he owns. I'll get as much as I can from all of that, and then I'll just cut my losses for everything else. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And I just kind of get this picture in my mind that Jesus' audience would have laughed. Like, pay everything? This guy owed millions of dollars. It's not going to happen. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the servant went out, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, so probably like a few hundred dollars, something that could be repaid. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, same line, ready? 
have patience with me and I will pay you. And he probably could have. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Doesn't seem like a great debt collection policy to have him thrown in jail, but let's just keep reading. This is Jesus' story, not mine. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then this master summoned him. That's the wicked servant, the one who he, that, who he had canceled. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Don't miss that. As I have had mercy on you, you should have shown mercy to your fellow servant. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now, I don't know what Peter's thinking at this point. He's like, did he even answer my question? Like, that's not, that's not the question I answered. <laughs> that's not the question that I asked. I bet Peter, though, is figuring out this is not going to turn out the way that he hoped. Because I can only imagine that Peter, here was Peter's thought. Like, hey, Jesus, if I forgive my brother seven times, like if, if I'm willing to go that far, at what point do God and I get to team up together and go get him? Right? Like, at what time does God help me out? When is enough enough when I can just write him off and that God will go and be vindicated by taking out whatever frustrations that I have on this person that I have forgiven seven times but refuse to forgive anymore? Peter's looking for, like, hey, how, how are God and I going to rectify this situation? And at this point, I've probably just imagined that Peter is figuring out this is not how he thought things were going to go because he's probably figuring out that God is the king and that he is the wicked servant. Now, just put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's probably, man, I hate I, I, hate I even asked. Like, I'm, I'm t- I, I wish I wouldn't even ask the question now, Jesus. This ain't going at all the way that I saw this playing out. So Jesus wraps up his parable with, with this verse that, quite honestly, it, it, I wish I could just erase this one from the Bible. You may have never heard a pastor say that about a verse of Scripture, but, but if, this, if there was one I could remove, this would be one of the ones that I would just remove. This is what Jesus said. He said, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now that's serious. That in the same way that this king sent the wicked servant off to jail until he could pay back all of his debt. Jesus said, that's the same way my father will respond to you if you refuse to forgive those that have hurt you. Now, I want to be sensitive this morning because I know that some of you in this room, that you've been hurt more badly than I could ever imagine. And you have experienced more pain or more loss than any person should have to in a lifetime. And it may not have happened just once, but it may have happened over and over and over again. But this is what Jesus says, I, I don't even know if I have the courage to say this to some of you. But, because you could get up here and you could tell your story and all of us would weep. 
or, or we'd be so filled with anger and rage for, for, uh, against those that have hurt you. And we'd feel like you were completely justified and just holding on to all of that anger and all of that pain and all that resentment. But Jesus would say to you this morning, not me, but Jesus. Jesus would say that enough is never enough when it comes to forgiveness. Enough is never enough when it comes to forgiveness. Because here's what Jesus knows. Here's what he knows. That refusing to forgive, refusal to cancel the debt is going to lead you to a place that is destructive and it's going to steal away from other parts of your life. You see, to refuse to forgive is to chain yourself to all that pain and all that anger and then to drag that from relationship to relationship after relationship. And as, as, as insensitive as it may seem and as unrealistic as it may seem, your heavenly Father loves you enough to tell you in no uncertain terms that if you refuse to forgive, he's coming after you. He's coming after you. Because he knows that refusing to forgive, that it's going to end, it's going to end badly for you. And he loves you enough that even in some, some threatening way to warn you against unforgiveness because he knows what happens when you refuse to forgive. Jesus He's telling this story in, in view of what is about to happen. We're in Matthew chapter 18, and just a few chapters from now, Jesus is going to be led away to the cross. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be wrongfully arrested. He's going to be thrown in prison. He's going to be beaten, and he's going to go to, cross, go to the cross. And God is going to lay on his shoulders the sins of the world for a moment, for a moment. There's going to be a tremor in the Trinity because the Father, looking upon all the sin and mistakes and evil of the world laid on, on the shoulders of his son, the Father won't be able to bear the sight of it and he'll take his eyes off of his son. And Jesus will die as a sacrifice for you and for me. God counting that as the canceling of all of our debt, all of our sin debt. And in the shadow of Jesus' decision to die for all of us, God already knew you. In the shadow of the cross, the Father already knew you. Knew what you'd be like. Knew what you would do. Knew how you would be. He knew all the times that you were going to break promises that you made to him. God knew all the times that you were going to fall asleep while you were trying to pray. For, pray. God knew all about the times that, that were going to come, these seasons in your life where you would almost walk away from faith altogether, or these seasons where you wouldn't open your Bible at all, these seasons where you'd never communicate to him in prayer. 
And God knew, this one's complicated, God, God knew this. God knew that it was going to come a day where he was going to watch you use the money that he gave you to participate in sinful behavior. He knew. He knew. And do you know what he decided to do? Knowing all of that, God decided to cancel your debt and to declare you righteous because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Yeah, we can clap for that. And in all of those, yeah, but you don't know what they've done moments, they all pale comparatively to the cross. They pale in comparison to the sacrifice that has been given on our behalf and the debt that has been canceled on our behalf. And as sensitively as I know how, I have to tell you that in response to the cross or in light of the cross, that we have absolutely and 100% lost our right to refuse to forgive. To refuse to forgive, Jesus says, makes you like the wicked servant who has forgotten so quickly all that he has been forgiven of. And our heavenly father, the king in Jesus' parable, would say to us that just as I have shown you mercy, you should show mercy to those that have wronged you. You see, mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. I'm so grateful for Pastor Jonah and Pastor Quentin and, and Chris that, that hang out with me in the office during the week. We had a fantastic conversation as I was talking about this week about the difference between grace and, and mercy. And I have this enlightened perspective as a result of the godly men that I get to do life with during the week. And, and here's what we came up with is that, that grace is giving something that you didn't earn. Mercy is withholding something that you do deserve. And here, God is asking us to hold back, to not give people what they deserve. Are you justified in your anger? Are you justified in your retaliation? Are you justified in your resentment to the person that has hurt you? Absolutely. You are 100% completely justified to be angry over the hurt that was caused to you. You're justified. You are right. You have every right to be angry. Just like God has the right to be angry with us for all of our sin. And God said, in the same way that I withhold my wrath, in the same way that I have shown you mercy and withheld what you deserve, I demand of you as my children to withhold what they deserve. As I have been merciful to you, you are to be merciful to the one that hurt you. And if you don't, he's coming after you. He's coming after you, not because he wants to punish you for your unforgiveness, but because he knows where unforgiveness leads. It leads to a life full of destruction and chaos because unforgiveness hurts you way more than it hurts the other person. I heard it said in a message some years ago, I don't remember who said it, but it stuck with me. Pastor Quentin referenced it this week when we were talking as well, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. That's exactly how it works. Your unforgiveness is going to do way more harm to you than it ever will to them. 
Because let's be honest, check this out. That debt that they created, that thing that they owe you in response to the hurt that you felt, they can't repay it anyway, can they? For, for the deepest hurts that we've ever experienced, let me, let me tell you how this would work. Even if, and chances are they're not going to if it's been any amount of time at all. Even if you have been wronged in the worst sense imaginable. Even if they were to come back and to ask you for your forgiveness. If they were to offer their apology and ask you for forgiveness. Even if they say, I'm sorry. It's still not going to cover the debt that they owe. Much like the wicked servant in the story who owed millions of dollars. There was no way he could ever repay it. No apology is going to fix your hurt. There's nothing that they can do. Because here's the, here's the truth of the matter. If someone has hurt you deeply and you have carried that hurt, you have brought that into every relationship that you've encountered since the hurt occurred. That means that their hurt on you has impacted every relationship you've had afterwards. So in order for them to make it right completely, in order for them to completely, owe, to completely pay the debt that they owe, they would have to go to every person that you've ever been in relationship with, even if it's just friends. I'm not talking about just romantically. Every work situation, every romantic relationship, every friendship, every relative interaction, they would have to go to every single person you've ever interacted with since the hurt occurred and make it right with all of them to fully, to fully cover the debt that they owe you. They can't do it. It's impossible. There is no potential way for them to cover the debt they owe you. So here's your choice. You can hang on to it and you can continue to drag that pain into every relationship and every job and every encounter for the rest of your life. You can continue to drink the poison and drink the poison and expect them to get sick. Or, or you can cancel the debt. You can cancel the debt. You can declare, they don't owe me anymore. I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of carrying it. You can cancel the debt. You can choose to be merciful. You can choose to show mercy. See, we, we tend to want it both ways, don't we? I want mercy when it pertains to me and I want justice when it pertains to those that hurt me. Right? I want God to show me mercy, but I want him to show justice to those that, that offend me, that hurt me, that do me wrong. Our Heavenly Father has leaned in the direction of mercy, and he's commanded us to lean in the same direction. Because he wants to set us free. He wants, us, he wants to see us set free. From the hurt that was caused to us. No apology is going to fix it. Only the, the decision to declare to them. You don't even got to tell them. To declare to them, you don't owe me. I cancel the debt. I'm just going to cancel it. I'm just going to let it go. You don't owe me anymore. Now let me, let me give you three ways to do this. Because I, look, I know I can, I can feel you disagreeing with me in your mind right now. Or I can feel the tension that says, sounds all good, 
but I don't know how to do it. Let me, let, me give you, let me give you three ways to do it. All right, three steps. Number one, always think of forgiveness as canceling a debt. Always, always, always think of forgiveness in terms of canceling a debt. Now, here's how you do that. You have to make an assessment of what you feel like you're owed. That we, we tend to be, we tend to hurt, we tend to feel hurt generally, and so we try to forgive generally. You can't do it. You have to make an assessment. You have to identify what it is that you are mentally, spiritually, physically letting go of. You have to identify it. Because here's what happens most of the time when, when somebody like me has the audacity to stand on a stage and, and, and demand of you that you go and forgive people. It's like, I've already forgiven them. I've already forgiven them. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right? That doesn't sound very much like you've let it go. <laughs> that doesn't sound very much like you've canceled it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I've already forgiven them. No, you hadn't. That's why you sound like that. No, you, have to, you have to make an honest assessment. Because you can't forgive generally. You have to forgive specifically. And in order for you to cancel the debt, you've got to identify what it is that you feel like they owe you. So number one is you have to you have to think, always think about forgiveness in terms of canceling the debt. Number two, you have to choose. You have to choose to cancel a debt. Listen, look right here. You can't feel your way into forgiveness. It has to be a decision. It's not something that you feel. Forgiveness is not something you feel. It's something you decide. It's something that you make a decision to do. You have to declare. And again, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to make a phone call. You don't have to do anything. You just have to choose for your life, for your own sake and for your good. I choose to cancel the debt. You don't have to tell them. You just got to decide. I choose. I'm making the choice, the physical, intentional choice. They don't owe me anymore. I choose to cancel the debt I felt like I was owed. And then number three, you have to refuse to hold that debt against them again. Here's what we, here's what we, here's what we think. We believe that forgiveness erases our memory. No, it doesn't. Some people believe that, that when God forgives, he forgets, right? That whole cast it as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. You may, you may tell you how I know that God doesn't forget your sins. Because if God forgets your sin, but you remember your sin, that makes you smarter than God. Can't happen. God does not forget your sin. God forgives your sin, which means that he cancels the debt. And you know that he, has no, he no longer holds it against you. And in the same way, we have to refuse. Because we've still got this memory, right? We, we still remember the hurt that occurred. And every single time something generates a thought about that moment that we were offended or hurt or wronged in some way, every time that memory comes, comes kind of flushing or, or rushing back, we have to make the decision. I, I've already canceled that debt. Sometimes I just have to tell God. When I feel myself thinking about old things that happened years ago, like, God, I've uh-uh. I've already canceled that debt. I'm not picking that back up because I don't want to drag that chain and drink that poison anymore. I'm not carrying that anymore. I'm done with it. And I have to, I have to make the intentional decision. I refuse to go back there. Here's the promise. The more that you do that, the more that you refuse to pick it back up. Every time it comes to your mind, every time that you make the conscious decision not to pick it back up, the temptation to do so gets less and less and less. And one day, one day, 
It's no longer going to impact you anymore. And instead of seeing it as the thing that wronged you, listen to me, you're going to begin to see it as a memorial of the time that you saw God work. That you were able to see God set you free from that thing that you had carried for so long. You got to refuse to pick it back up. So, so here's, I was trying to make this memorable. So three, th- I, I summarized all of that into three words. Think, choose, refuse. Think about it as a debt, choose to cancel it, refuse to pick it back up. Think, choose, refuse. Can we just all, can we say that together at one time? Ready? One, two, three. Think, choose, refuse. Say it again. Think, choose, refuse. Now, next time somebody hurts you, the next time you're, you're tempted to think about this thing that happened forever ago, here's what you got to do. You got to think, you got to choose, and refuse. I tried to find a third word that would rhyme with choose and refuse, and I couldn't come up with it. So think was the best I could do. Think, choose, and refuse. Now, let me, one more caveat. I'm short on time, but I got to say this because it's important. Choosing to forgive someone does not give them 100% complete access back into your life. We tracking? Healthy boundaries exist for a reason. Choosing to forgive someone has more to do with your benefit than theirs. It is not... It is not an invitation back into the same place that they were before. Forgiveness does not mean that they get back in. It can. It can. I think that, that in, in a lot of cases, like once we work through this process, when we think, choose, and refuse, and after some time, I think that, that God begins to slowly open the door for some relationships to be restored, but not all. And if you have been harmed in some way that that person has continually harmed you, and it's horrible, and it's vicious, this does not give them complete access back to you. Healthy boundaries exist for a reason, and they're important. But that does not negate the command of Scripture for you to forgive them. Forgiveness and acceptance back into your life are not the same thing. Tracking? We good? All right. I wanted to make that clear before we finish anything out today because I, I don't want us to think that forgiveness means that they get every, everything, all the rights and, and, and access that they had before. But, but here's my hope for you. Is that that horrible thing that occurred or those horrible things that occurred, those things that were once a point of pain will at some, at some point become a memorial to the positive impact that God has had on your life as you learn to, to forgive, to cancel the debt, to choose, to declare they don't owe me anything anymore. And then refuse to pick it back up. God wants that for you. God wants that for you. That's why he speaks so emphatically that we are to show mercy because we have been shown mercy. That those who have been forgiven much should be willing to forgive much. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to close things out just a little bit differently today than, than I normally do. But um, if you would, would you, would you bow your heads? Even if, you're not a, even if you're not a prayer, would you just like bow your head and close your eyes for a moment?
the symbol, the physical symbol that I could best come up with to, to illustrate the, the holding on to something is a, is a clenched fist. So if, if you have ever been wronged in a way that you've been carrying that hurt around with you still, if you're still holding on to that, would you just, would you just clench your fist and stick it up in the air? Would you just stick it up in the air? You can hold it up. It's okay. Nobody's looking, just me. I've been hurt. I'm holding on. Here's the hurt that I've got right here. I'm holding on to it. I haven't forgiven. I haven't canceled the debt. I just want to pray for you. Maybe you could, maybe you could pray this along with me. Father, I recognize that at the cross, I lost my right to not forgive. And Father, I'm so grateful for all the things that you have forgiven me of, all my sins against you. And God, I've been harboring anger in my heart against, and just tell them who. Just tell your father their name. And God, I believe that they've taken from me. Tell him what they've taken. Identify it. Call it by name. And God, right now, I'm choosing to cancel the debt. God, they don't owe me anymore. Would you allow my painful memories to become the reminders of your mercy, of your grace, and of your healing? And would you open your hand? God is my hope and my prayer that across this room right now, God, healing is taking place. God, where there was a chain that has drug pain and sorrow and resentment for, for, the, for the last seasons of our life, God, that those chains are no more. God, would you just sweep in to that empty spot where my anger and my resentment and my hurt was. And God, would you, just, would you just set up shop? God, would you restore in me what has been broken and what I've carried for so long? God, I know that for a lot of people that that, that forgiveness, when it's, when, when it's offered, God, that there's like an emptiness where it used to be. God, I just pray that you would fill that spot with your Holy Spirit. And that healing and restoration would take place, God, so that we can walk into our future as free people. Those who have canceled debts, those who have chosen, God, to declare upon their life to those that have hurt them, you don't owe me anymore. And I refuse to hold it against you again. God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that in moments like these we can trust you to give us that which we cannot take for ourselves. We thank you, God, for the hope, the peace, the healing, and the mercy shown through Jesus, your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen.